We're here with the first episode of Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder, accompanied by former NFL corner and Florida State great, Corey Fuller. How you doing? Good, Corey, good. And uh, not so great, Noel Game Day co-founder, Ethan Vaughn. It's great to be here, Ryan, uh, finally getting this first podcast done. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Yes, sir. And we'll also be welcoming special guests. One of the greatest NFL players of all time, the greatest corner to ever grace a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders, later in the show. Here to block a punt. However, it's a one step punter, and Chris Gardaki has gotten it off. The young man from Stone Mountain, Georgia. You're going to hear a lot from him. He'll be a field goal kicker as well as a punter here. He whacks it, and now it'll be Dion Sanders from the 24. In the middle, twists his way, finds an alley. Now it's just the punter, he'll outrun it. It's going to be a touchdown, Florida State, Deion Sanders. There are no penalty markers down. An electrifying 76-yard run. Let's get into some Alabama talk. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, out of the dog days of summer and into football season, I know uh, all of us have been uh, waiting for this to uh, get here, and it's finally here. So let's get to it. So, Corey, as a, uh, a former Florida State player, and you played in plenty of big games at FSU in your day, what were the favorite games you uh, played in, and how do you think that matches up with FSU or with FSU Alabama? Well, like like uh, like we always say that back in my day, you had to beat Miami or Florida to get to the national championship game. So, we I think we played in like three games of the decades in my five years at Florida State. Um. This matchup right up there, you know, I think it's some of the – we won't know until we actually play the game. But, man, those Miami days and Florida State days when they was in the Orange Bowl was – we played Notre Dame, game of the decade, Miami twice for the game of the decade out of four years in college. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, speaking of football, you uh, are the head coach of Godby High School here in Tallahassee. Uh, how is your season going so far, and what do you look forward to this season? Well, like y'all was talking about the dog days. Dog days never end for a high school coach, uh, especially at a program like Gobby, where a lot of my kids are uh, living right at the property line or right above it and some middle-class kids. But overall, I'm in the dog days, man. What I'm expecting is I've never had a job that's been this good with talent that's rich. Uh, I always had to build it. Gobby's won four state titles, played for six. The last one they played for was in 2014. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying to get the wheel back on track. And if we get on track, we'll be winning championships. But the kids are working hard. We got off to a 1-0 start. Tough game last week against Childs High School. They played hard. I won't even say they played above their head. They played hard, and they got a good football team out there this year. Absolutely. All right, so let's get – Let's get right into FSU Alabama, and we'll break down the positions. Um, Ethan, you can chime in on this as well, so I'll let you start it off. But let's go quarterback. Who do you think has the advantage uh, between FSU and Alabama at the quarterback position? 
Yeah, I think we'll all just uh, take turns rolling through who we think has the advantage in each position. Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Florida State at quarterback. Um, Francois, he, he's not perfect, but he had an extremely good retro freshman season, and he's, he's got some room for improvement with his accuracy and um, just his, uh, in general, just his uh, timing with reading defenses. But um, there's a lot to like last year. He, he was tough. Um, he made some big down-the-field throws, and um, I really think that to beat Alabama, Florida State is going to have to hit some of those deep down-the-field throws, and um, hopefully Francois um, will do that. But um, I, I just don't – I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Hurts. I like what he brings with his legs, but he's just not um, an accurate enough passer for me, so I'm going to give the uh, nod to Florida State here. It's almost uh, – in my opinion, I'm going to give it to Florida State as well. It's almost – not that DeAndre Francois is necessarily that much better of a play, a college football quarterback than Jalen Hurts because I do think uh, he is a little better, but I'm not necessarily saying he's a, he's a, a world better. But in this game, you have to think um, Alabama fired Lane Kiffin. They're going to have a, a more pro-style offense this year. And in what they want to do this year, I would not take Jalen Hurts over DeAndre Francois. I think Alabama wants to throw the football. I think they want to run it more pro-style. Of course, they will still include quarterback runs. That's just what they have to do to utilize Jalen Hurts. But I definitely think either Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher would take DeAndre Francois if given that uh, choice. What do you think, Corey? I, I definitely would take um, Francois. I think just because what he went through last year and the things he had to do to be the quarterback after sitting there and watching, I just think that he's, gonna, he's more seasoned than even though they went to the National Championship game last year at – Alabama with Hurts. Now, you can't take away what Hurts brings to the table because he brings a lot to the table with his legs, and he definitely would be better with his arm this year. Absolutely. Uh, so, the next position, running backs. Ethan, what do you think there? This one was really tough for me. Um, when you look at FSU's running backs on paper, you're, you're hard-pressed to find a better um, group of running backs in the country. Um but I'm I'm gonna lean Alabama here, and uh, some FSU fans are probably gonna get mad at me for this. But uh, just the the top end two that Alabama has in Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough, um, we saw what Bo could do um, down at the end of last season when he he really started to get going and uh, just ran over teams in in the playoff. Um, I'm just gonna go with Alabama simply because they have more proven top-end talent at the running back position. But Florida State can definitely get up there. Um, Jacquez Patrick, um, by, all, by all accounts, is having a great camp. And uh, Cam Makers looks to have a breakout freshman season at Florida State, and he definitely has the talent to do that. But I'm going to go Alabama here. I don't have too much to add to that. I agree. Um, FSU and Alabama, talent-wise, are about even. I would just give the nod to Alabama because of experience. But in a, in a one-game setting, experience doesn't always um, – isn't always what matters most, so you never know. But if, if I had to pick one going in, I would say Alabama. What about you, Corey? What do you think of Florida State's running back situation? Well, you know, after leaving, after the great Damon Cook leaving, we have some guys that have played, but that's some big shoes to fill. So right now I'm going to go with what I think is uh, the lead back in the country going downhill is going to be Alabama. That's both squad Absolutely. Side. Uh, there's no disrespect to what we have at Florida State. He's just more game-proven than what we have right now. Uh, and for wide receivers, Ethan, this one uh, is definitely up for debate. What do you think? This one, again, is extremely tough for me. Um, I'm going to go Florida State, and um, I think 
Alabama definitely has the best wide receiver in the game. When you're talking about Calvin Ridley and what all he brings to the table, he's a pretty complete receiver that I've liked ever since he was a recruit that Florida State was recruiting. But um, I really, really, really like the top three receivers that Florida State has in Keith Gavin, Auden Tate, and Nyquan Murray. I think they each bring their uh, own unique skill set with um, Gavin being a really complete NFL prototype receiver, um, Tate being a big body possession receiver, and Nyquan Murray kind of being that firecracker that can give you the big play, um, which everybody saw in the Michigan game. So I'm going to give the nod to Florida State here. Um, I, I agree. Um, and this is going to be a theme for for most of this podcast. And I think it has to be a theme when you're talking about Florida State, Alabama. I think in a lot of ways, Alabama has deeper position groups just by the nature of how they re- uh, recruit and the talent they're able to bring in year after year. However, in a one-game setting, uh, the deeper players like Jerry Judy and players like that um, that Alabama has waiting in the wings, and he might even play a little bit against Florida State, but my point is those players have the ability to break out later in the season where I think FSU is a lot more thin at receiver. So for one game, however, I think I like the big playability of Auden Tate and um, Nyquan Murray and even Keith Gavin. Um, he's a freak of nature, size, speed. I think that will be a mismatch for Alabama as well. Um, I also think that Alabama's wide receivers, no matter, even if they're a little bit better than Florida State's wide receivers, talent-wise and product, or skill-wise, I don't think the production, because of their quarterback, again, this is kind of tied to the quarterback position, I don't think their production at wide receiver will be as good as Florida State's uh, a lot to do with the quarterback and Jalen Hurts. What about you, Corey? How do you think uh, FSU's wide receivers will fare against Bama? Uh, Ridley will be the best receiver on the field as a one, but as a group, I definitely got to give it to our Seminoles. I think that they have a group of guys that are battle-tested, that have made plays in big games, and I think it's going to show up Saturday night. Absolutely. Nyquan and, and Auden Tate have men, uh, made many big plays. I mean, you can't year. forget Keith Gavin either on that on that return. It wasn't exactly um, at True. the receiver position, but he had that big, True. big return that's, in the Orange Bowl. That's a, a small glimpse and, and a demonstration of his freakish athleticism and, and size blend. Uh, how about offensive line? I think, personally, um, this is our biggest deficit in, as far as uh, skill and talent gap. Um, Alabama has recruited better than Florida State, frankly, at offensive line, and they have more guys ready to play. I think Florida State's offensive line could potentially be good this year. I will say that both offensive lines in this game will look uh, a little bit worse than they will for the rest of the season because both this is perhaps the best two defensive lines in the country. I definitely think... Neither O-line will be a strength but strength for either team, but if I had to pick one offensive line, I think I would give the nod to Alabama. What do you think, Ethan? Um, I think Alabama gets the nod pretty, pretty easily here. I like what FSU has at guard and Dickerson and Minshew, um, but I'm skeptical about what they have at all three other positions, so the nod is going to go to Alabama here pretty decisively. This is uh, really not a fair assessment because historically both of these teams' defensive fronts have been so good at defensive line. It's hard to really judge an offensive line off that. But if you just go by the past five drafts, you got to go with Alabama because they, they have sent the guy first round every year the last five years. Uh, and for the defensive line, this one is perhaps FSU's best defensive unit, perhaps um, the best defensive line in the country. Uh, when you're talking about FSU, I think FSU returns more talent than Alabama in this specific area. I think they return more proven talent, and I think it'll show on Saturday. Corey, if we don't win here, if we don't win right here, 
at the D-line, we're not going to win this game because we have the most experience. We have the best D-line, like you said, in the country. We are ugly the best D-line coach in the middle part of a D-line in Odell Hagens. And I think, I think it's going to pay dividends this Saturday. I definitely agree. Um, I'm going to give it to uh, Florida State as well. Um, Alabama lost their uh, top five pass rushers in terms of uh, number of quarterback pressures last year. And uh, Florida State returns everybody aside from Demarcus Walker, who was an All-American and the NCAA sack leader last year. But um, they just have so much depth. They go three deep with extremely high-quality defensive tackles. And uh, you got to like what they have with uh, Josh Sweat and freshman All-American Brian Burns coming back. So I just I think um, Florida State's defensive line is one of the best overall units in the country, and I'm going to give them the nod here. As we move on to linebacker, as we're recording this podcast live, um, Matthew Thomas has been declared eligible and cleared to play Saturday. So that definitely gives Florida State's linebacking group a big bump uh, when you're talking about uh, FSU Alabama and comparing the groups. Personally, I still am going to go Alabama because I think they have two NFL uh, linebackers where FSU only has one. And I think that, especially um, when both teams are going to try to run the ball so much and the the nature of the physicality, I think Alabama definitely has the edge here, although I do like what Florida State has in Thomas. What do you think about the linebacking situation, Corey? I think we're pretty good there, too, to be honest. Um, We just – we got to play, man. We got to play. We play them. But Alabama, historically, if you look at D-line, linebacker, and DBs, they got them all over the field. They've they've been recruiting like we did in the 90s, late 80s at Florida State. Not saying we're not not doing a great job, but their stuff shows up on NFL draft day. So they're doing a great job. Absolutely. Ethan? Um, definitely. Uh, I actually, not definitely, I shouldn't say, but um, I'm going to go Florida State here. Um, I really like what Matthew Thomas brings to the table. I mean, if you go in, in the first half of last year, he wasn't great, but he was really getting back in the swing of things, hadn't played consistent football in a while. But um, down the stretch, and, and especially against Michigan in the Orange Bowl, which was another pro-style offense, um, he was phenomenal um, all over the field, um, diagnosing well, um, running well. And, and so I think getting him back um, really tips this in Florida State's favor. Um, and I, I don't know, Dontavious Jackson looks to be out for the game, but I, I really like what he, what he would bring to the table as well. But um, I'm going to go with uh, Florida State here. Wow, that's definitely interesting. Um, I would say uh, for this next topic, I, I could talk about it. Uh, but we have an expert defensive back in Corey Fuller, former uh, FSU and NFL corner. So I'll let him talk about it, as well as we have Deion Sanders, uh, the greatest cornerback of all time. Uh, not that arguable, honestly, considering he had 14 FSU interceptions and 52 NFL interceptions. Uh, we'll have him on later uh, to talk Florida State and Alabama, and then specifically what he thinks of Derwin James and stuff like that as well. So, uh, Corey, what do you think about FSU's defensive backfield this year with Derwin James, Savard, Fadden, and company. Well, on paper, should be one of the best secondaries in the country. Now, they're going to live up to it. Is McFadden going to play like he played last year? Got got to work. You know, I believe in hard work. It pays off. And I think that those group of guys have challenged each other to be great this year. And if they hold up and stay healthy, they may go arguably go down as one of the better secondaries in Florida State history. Definitely. Ethan, what do you think about the defensive backfield this year comparing FSU and Alabama? Um, Alabama has two really, really good players in um, Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, Ronnie Harrison from here in Tallahassee. But um, I'm going to give the uh, edge to Florida State. You know, Derwin James is Derwin James. He's 
arguably the best player in the country. Um, and then you got Tavares McFadden, who's your, or your corner, who uh, led the nation in interceptions last year. So those two players right there are, are elite, no question. But then you bring into the equation um, guys like Kyle Myers, who's going to be the starter at star. Um, he looked really good last year as a freshman. Um, Trey Marshall, who's just a thumper and, and a really underrated player for Florida State, um, someone who I believe, uh, as, as is shown by how the defense seems to suffer every time he gets thrown out of the game for a targeting call, which happens quite often, um, how good of a player he is. And then uh, you got Levante Taylor, who was a five-star and a top-ten prospect. Um, looking to break out in his sophomore year and start at the other corner spot. So I really like what FSU has going on back there. Uh, I'll put the, the defensive uh, backfields breakdown this way. I think that Alabama's safeties are insane, ridiculous, filling an, an adjective for that. But Ronnie Harrison and Minka Fitzpatrick are by far the two best defensive backs on Alabama, and both are playing safety this year. That being said, they have three corners that – aren't first-round picks and aren't typically, uh, maybe Tony Brown, but aren't typically Alabama-level corners when you think of all the corners they've had drafted over the years. Um, I think this is potentially a, a position that Florida State could really exploit because at the end of the day, the safeties aren't going to be covering Auden Tate and uh, Nyquan Murray and Keith Gavin. They're going to have to man up on certain plays. They're going to have to play uh, – tight coverage on these big body receivers and I'm not quite sure they have the corners to do it quite frankly uh now we can move on to special teams this is an area that FSU struggled in a little bit last year but Alabama has just as many question marks uh so who are you going to give the nod to Ethan um this is tough I'm uh, I'm gonna give it to Florida State but um I I've had quite a few issues with Florida State special teams over the last few years um, you even heard Jimbo Fisher refer to how Florida State or how special teams. Um, there's a lot of hidden yards, is what he refers to them as. Um, and Florida State's left a lot of them on the field over the last couple of years, um, just in terms of not getting really great um, returns. But um, that looks like it might change. Florida State's done some really interesting things with the return men, as you got Derwin James and Keith Gavin, who are both six three, two hundred and ten plus returning uh, kicks, and then you got Tavares McFadden, who. Um, uh, was a great kick returner in high school back there returning punts. Um, I like what they're doing on the return game. They're traditionally good at covering um, kickoffs. Um, but then you go to the kickers. Ricky Aguayo was not great last year. Um, he's got a lot of room for improvement, and he definitely needs to uh, do so. But Alabama's kicker has attempted one field, field goal in his career, and he made it, but it was from 33 yards, and he's – um, only attempted six um, PATs, so just not a whole lot of experience there. Um, so I'll give the nod to Ricky. And then um, we want to move on to punter. Uh, J.K. Scott from Alabama is, is a really, really good punter. But um, Logan Tyler's been working working a lot this offseason. And um, by all accounts, he's improved um, his punt distance and hang time. So Florida State looks to be competitive on the punting aspect as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've heard great things about Tyler this offseason. However, J.K. Scott is probably the best punter in America and will probably punt in the NFL. So I'd have to give him the nod there. As far as kicker, I think Florida State's definitely more proven. Alabama doesn't really have anything um, proven coming back at all. And In fact, they might have J.K. Scott. They've had him kicking a little bit in camp. They might have him kick if the kicker struggles, or they might have him kick from the, from the get-go. But, Corey, as a former defensive back, what do you think of the dynamic uh, of Tavares McFadden returning punts and then Derwin James returning kicks? How do you think that could factor into this game? I, I just, like, really 
you guys haven't done that stuff since high school. I worry more about them being injured than anything. If you wanna, absolutely. If you wanna know my feeling on it, I'm like Dion. Man, don't put them back there. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely a concern, especially with with the health issues. Uh, not only Derwin is out of his knee, but also Tavares McFadden with his shoulder. What do you guys think about Cam Akers, the highly touted five star running back, number one running back in America? What do you think about his touches against Alabama? Because I know that Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris will split carries. So do you think that it's possible that Jaquez Patrick will split carries? Or do you think with Cam Akers, or do you think that Jaquez Patrick will get the majority of the snaps? What do you think, Ethan? Um, I, I'm super interested to see how the running back situation for Florida State plays out against Alabama. Um, I think Jaquez Patrick's a really good back, but I'm not sure that he matches up well against what Alabama brings to the table. Um, he doesn't really have that lateral um, quickness that uh, a guy like Dalvin Cook would have. So I'm not sure if he can um, make the Alabama defensive line uh, miss in, in, in any regard in the backfield. So I'm going to be interested to see how much uh, Rasul and Akers get the ball. Um, I think Akers is going to get the ball some, but I think most of it, how much, is going to depend on how effective Patrick is. Definitely. What do you think, Corey, about a freshman getting big-time carries in a game like this? I can't see us just breaking him out in this game right here unless he really has been outstanding in camp. You know, I don't really, to be honest with you, I don't really look at stars and all that stuff. Most of those people that do that ranking stuff they ain't played a down of football. Mm-hmm. And all these guys are, are great in the area they come from. They're the best player in the area. Most of them play on the best team. So you really find out what you're dealing with when you get them to college. Because everybody's good. How do you guys view this? Uh, this has definitely been talked about a lot amongst the fan base. And um, definitely it's going to be a big game for coaches like yourself, Corey, and people who just love X's nose. How creative do you guys think Jimbo has to be to be able to beat Bama? Or do you think he can just run his same old offense? I just think we play the – if we play like we're capable of playing, we'll beat them. The last time – people don't realize now. The last time Florida State and Alabama played, Nick Saban was the coach. Jacksonville. 2009, I believe. Yeah. Seven. yeah. Wasn't it? Was it seven or nine? It was I'm seven. not sure, but I know it, seven. I know it was when he was first taking over the program, but at the end of the day, it's all the same. I do think um, that it's th- this game in this respect is good for FSU to schedule because I think that it pushes Jimbo's a little bit out of his comfort zone. Of I've heard there, there were some whispers um, – that, that maybe FSU might be running some, some hurry-up stuff in camp and some, uh, some of Derwin maybe getting some touches on offense. So in, in that regard, when you have a big game like this, it forces you to self-reflect. And without changing your identity necessarily, think maybe there's some things you can improve on, which Jimbo, uh, the fan base sometimes gets frustrated with him for being a little bit notoriously too stubborn as a, as a play caller and as a coach and a little bit too conservative sometimes. So in a, a game like this, might make him really think about reevaluating himself as a coach. Not that he necessarily needs to, but everybody can improve. Um, even Nick Saban lost last year at the end of the year, and I'm sure he thinks he can improve on some things. So I think Jimbo, if he if he does bring in some new wrinkles, I think in that regard, this game is good for FSU because he can use those new wrinkles for the rest of the season and going forward as a coach. Okay, uh, Corey, I got a question for you. Um, you know, this this game is being played in a brand new stadium, and it's a uh... From looking at pictures, it, it looks to be one of like an intimidating place to play. 
Is there ever a place you just walked in and it kind of took you aback when you walked in and really uh, caught your attention? No, we was from, when we were playing, man, we was Florida Stadium. We felt like wherever we went at, we was going to win. We had a chance to win the game regardless. From the from the um, the big house in Michigan, you know, we played there. I played in uh, Notre Dame down to the Orange Bowl. It, it is what it is, man. When you play for Bobby Bowden and some of those, you feel like nobody can beat you. What do you guys think is the key to beating Alabama? I know it's hard to pick one thing because ultimately there will be a lot of factors that decide the game. But if you guys had to pick one thing, what do you guys think the key to beating Alabama will be? And I'll, I'll start to give you an example. I think FSU consistently stopping the run, um, which Clemson really couldn't do until Bo Scarborough got hurt in Alabama's last game. Washington did it well, actually, in the playoff game before that. But I think if FSU can utilize their depth at defensive tackle um, and linebacker to continue to not only stop them in the first quarter of the running game, but never really let them break through and start start uh, breaking down our defense. I think if FSU can consistently hold their yards per play, specifically on run plays, down throughout the whole game, I think FSU has a great chance of winning. I think they're very capable of that. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to see if they can do it or not. And building off of that, um, Ryan, I think Derwin playing quite a bit of star is going to be something that the Florida State coaching staff does to get him close to the line of scrimmage and uh, helping in uh, the um, running game. Um, my prediction would definitely be Francois having to hit down-the-field passes and the receivers making contested catches against the Alabama defensive backs because it seems like every team that beats Alabama these days has wide receivers that just go up and get the ball and quarterbacks that can really get the ball downfield accurately. So I think it definitely falls on Francois and the receivers to have to manufacture big plays for the offense. Definitely. Corey, what do you think the key to beating Alabama is? No turnovers. Create some turnovers. Make big plays in the kicking game and play stellar defense. I think that uh, both offenses are going to sputter because of the defenses. And defenses at the beginning of the year tend to be ahead of offenses, speaking from the player side and the coaching side at this time of year. So, But the key to the game is don't turn the ball over. Create turnovers. Create field position for your offense. And have a great, great mentality and game plan to smother them from the word go. Freeze Tones of the Chiefs. No one else has cracked the hundred. Third and nine. Misdirection. to welcome our first guest, the offensive coordinator for the Trinity Christian Cedar Hill High School football team, 
but perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. How's it going, Dion? What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that that uh, greeting and that salutation every day, man. That was awesome. I like that. Good to hear. Uh, so how do you like coaching your son so far, Dion? How's that going? I know you're the offensive coordinator well, and you got two good. players on the team. I've been coaching my son since he started football, not only in football, but baseball, basketball, and everything. You know, I I was able to help him with homework until about a, a year ago. That, that stuff is just beyond me now. <laughs> so, so that's about the only thing that I can't help him with. But I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, he has great study habits. He loves football and uh one thing that he loves as well is his uncle Corey fuller that's one thing that he loves he calls him every day and just gets on his nerves so he, he loves uncle Corey. no he ain't getting on my nerve he ain't getting on my nerve i, I love my nephew um, <laughs> i love what he's trying to do a company i've seen all the work he's put in this summer we've been we've been with each other since february at least twice a month until we started football right here going around the country doing our unarmed camps but let's get into the real the real reason we call you today it is. It was, the, it was the great weekend of a big fight last week, but it's a great weekend oh, yeah. of college football and probably one of the biggest wow. games in the last 20 years of college football is Saturday night. I am Amata versus Alabama. How do you feel Florida State matches up against the great Alabama? Man, first of all, I wouldn't have scheduled that game if I'm Florida State, not because I don't want it. Because that's a big game, man. It, 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 it is getting to the point in college football, if you – I'm not saying they're going to lose because I think they're going to win. But if you lose a game, you're during the out of contention for the national championship right off the top. And then you're playing a little um, fearful like some of the other people did last year that lost early because now you're tight because you lose one more, you're definitely out of the race for the national championship. This is a huge game. This is a, this is a game that has – ramifications of some of the top players in the nation. Okay, do they choose to go to Alabama? Do they choose to go to Florida State? That's the kind of burden that this game's bear. And uh, it's, it's like that because you have so many kids out there that are really like five-star, four-star kids that Alabama wants, Florida State won't, and a game like that could sway their decision. It's a huge game, man. It really is. Hey, Dion, you had an illustrious career at Florida State. Um is there any game that you played in while you were at Florida State that reminds you of this game that, that's coming up this weekend? Well, you got to understand, when I was at Florida State, every time we played Miami, it was that type of game. I mean, you're talking about that was for the national championship, really, because my last two years at Florida State, we were 11-1. and one. With that only that sole loss to Miami, that was it. So anytime you played Miami, then you're talking about being on the field where both teams – had a multitude of guys that were going in the first round or projected to go in the top three, four rounds. So Miami was that Achilles heel that we had when I was at Florida State University. It was that type of game. You had to win in your state just to have an opportunity to be national championship, national champions. Back then, Florida was ranked in the top five or ten, as well as Miami, as well as us at Florida State. Hey, Dion, as a, as a two-time Super Bowl champion, how does your mindset differ going into a game like this? How does your preparation differ? Do you try to keep yourself calm, stay within yourself? Do you hype yourself up at all? How, how, how did it work if, for you? If, you? if your preparation is different, you're really not a baller. It doesn't matter the level of your competition. Your game should remain the same. Um, we had one of the best coaches to ever grace 
um, a sideline in the history of college football by the name of Mickey Andrews. And Corey knows. You're talking about being prepared. You're talking about working hard. You're talking about understanding your assignments and understanding we did not want to let Mickey Andrews down. So we were so prepared, understood what he desired, understood how we fit into the defense and what we're capable of doing. So we, we didn't change our game of the level of intensity that we played with just because it was a Alabama or Miami. We were like that in practice. That's where it all started. The game was just an opportunity to let the country understand how we practice. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know if you've heard, but Derwin James, safety, is apparently uh, going to be returning kicks this year and possibly playing some offense. Oh, uh, Jim, I don't Jim like that. that. I don't like seeing returning kick. I don't like well, seeing returning kick. Well, hold on, Dan. Dan, you are one of the only players in NFL history to score a touchdown six different ways: interception return, punt return, kickoff return, receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown, fumble recovery for a touchdown. So as as a defensive yeah, back, I, I, I almost that, threw one. I almost threw one when the backside receiver ran the wrong route. I would have passed for one too. You would have had seven. You'd have been the only player ever. So, yeah, so I, I don't like. I think Duran is one of the best high school players, not high school college players in the country. But I don't like him returning punts, especially coming off the injury injury that he came off of last year. He's a wonderful competitor. I don't know if he's a punt returner, but with those guys blocking up front, I, I think Corey could get back there right now and run a punt back because that, that special teams unit is so good at Florida State, and they always have been. All righty. What's your, what's your bold prediction? This. What's your bold prediction, Brian? What's your bold prediction? Florida State. I just want us I, – I want us to get out early because – Alabama has history of not starting off fast, but what they do, they wear you down with those big old guys up front and just start pounding you by the third quarter. It's like a, like a heavyweight fight. They just hit, hit you with body blows, body blows, and then they go for the knockout in the second half. But I think Florida State get out early and, and show the nation, show Alabama that they're not afraid and they understand that they're supposed to be here. It's not a blessing to be on the same field as the powerhouse Alabama because we are Florida State. We're a powerhouse too. So if we get out early, and when we get out early, that's going to send shockwaves into Alabama, which should subsequently change their game plan. Because when you get hit, you have to really change your game plan to just maintain. And if when we get out early, I think we're going to pull it out. I just one thing I don't want us to get behind early. No, no, we can't afford because that. I don't like us in that type of pressure. Yeah, we can't afford that. No, we, we can't, can't do Dion, that. Dion, do you uh, do you have a favorite player on this year's Florida State team? And if so, who? Yeah, Darren James. I, I love Darren. He came down to the Prime Twenty One camp. What was it, a couple years ago, Corey? Yes, two 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 summers Co- ago. Yeah, a couple years ago, summer worked his butt off. He was very good with the kids. He was a very um, um, good uh, learner and what we had to offer him as former pro athletes. And I, I love his, his humility was, was, was unbelievable. So I love what he brought to our kids at our camp here in Dallas. Uh, All right, let's get da- down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, do you have a score prediction for this weekend's game in Atlanta. No, I don't. Uh, I'm not. I don't predict scores and all that, man. I'm just. I'm. I just want to get out of there with a win. I want to get out of there with a W, and not any severe injuries. There's going to be some guys get banged up because it's going to be a physical game. But I don't want to lose a key player 
for the entire season or six to eight weeks. I don't want that to happen. And see, one thing y'all don't understand about ex-players, we're never going to predict scores in big games. All we want to do is win. Yeah. We want to win. We don't we want to win. We don't care about if it's by half a point or one point. We just want to win. And at Florida State, we've had so many wide rights and wide lefts. And we'll take in big games. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll take any victory in a big game. Absolutely. A big game for the program. Absolutely. Thing, I'm telling you, man, it has ramification of a lot of recruits. So it's not just about it's not just about getting the dub. We want to get the dub, but the way you want to do it. And if God, not God, God ain't got nothing to do with wins and losses. But if by chance Florida State wouldn't win, we, we got to be competitive. I mean, we got to be right there until the end. Then those recruits will still come because this is what this is all about. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. So let's, let's, let's get off Florida State for a while because what we do now is a lot different than what we did when we was players and how people see us. What are we going to do out there in Dallas with Trinity Christian this year? With your son at the helm, man, you I'll tell you what, man, Kevin Mathis at defense, Coach Hart, my guy, defensive coordinator. We got three, four, Avion Case on the head coach. We got three former NFL players on the coaching staff. Uh, we're a very small school, Corey. You, you, you have a hundred some kids in your program. Uh, with junior high, including our junior, because we have to have junior high. We don't have JV. We only have maybe 65, 70 kids in the entire program, but we're happy. I mean, it's like a family uh, uh, mom and pop shop, and I love it. Girl, you know, I, we, we talk about these kids, and it's our life. Uh, we were eating dinner last night with my son and one of the other kids on the team, and he said, Coach, uh, uh, one of our linebackers, he's like, man, Coach is always riding us, and he stays on our butt. I said, because I'm not trying to prepare you for this game. I'm trying to prepare you for life because that's a game that truly has W's and L's. In this world that we live in, they measure you by wins and losses. And that's unfortunate, but they do. So I'm not just trying to prepare you for football because football teaches so many life lessons. I'm trying to prepare you for life. And that's all we're doing, Corey. Why else would we choose to, to, to coach high school football? Uh, uh, sometimes, <laughs> why sometimes, else would sometimes, we be there? Sometimes I wonder why, but you know, uh, you made me shift my mind about it, though. It, it's not something I do, it's a calling. And so that's when I speak to it's people all the time. I tell them all the time it's a calling. But you know what's funny is that uh, they asked me before I called you how many times a week or day we talk. Sometimes I might talk three or four times a day. Uh, this is a relationship that goes yep. back even when I was in high school. And a lot of people don't know Yo, about You had to get off the phone today. You had to get off the phone today because you had to go have the cafeteria duty. Right. So, I mean, right. that, that tells you what all you do. Not only are you doing that, you're in there washing uniforms. You're cooking. You taking kids back and forth to practice, taking them home, or staying late to make, wait till their parents to come, and, and 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 I don't know if I should say it or not, but a lot of them we serve as the ATM because they don't even some of them don't even have lunch money, but you're not going to see a kid starve. No, we and not. It, it's unbelievable, but it's a it's a calling, and not only not to mention being the psychiatrist for the family that's involved because these kids are going through so much. It's a whole different world than what we grew up in, Corey, and you know that. So it's a um, it's a great pleasure, man, to be up to be on the phone with you as always. You know, we talk, we do our thing. So when you called in, we said, "Why you call MC? Tell him why you call me MC." <laughs> he's the master of ceremonies, baby. Wherever you go, he's gonna be the master of ceremonies. Give he's up. gonna always he's gonna always control the temperature. What I mean by that is, Corey's gonna always make the atmosphere fun 
He's going to always find the silver lining in, in a dark day. He's going to always try to put a smile on your face or or make you laugh in some kind of way, talking about what you have on or what you wear, whatever. He's the master of ceremonies, man. He, he is all of that. So that's why we call the MC. So, hey, brother, uh, man, I know your time is valuable, man, but most of all, we thank you for being the premier guest, the first guest, and uh, I know you'll do this anytime for us. You know, I love you, brother. Anytime. Thanks for coming yeah, on, Dion. It's been man. a pleasure. Man, really appreciate it, Dion. Had a great you. time. And God bless you guys. You sitting with a good man. That's my little brother, man. I love him to life. And we don't get off the phone without telling each other we love him. Every day. So Every day, know. all day. When people Every see, day. when Every what's day. funny though, Prime, when people see your name come up on my phone, I have people literally, especially in the school system, they be like to pass out. But if they only knew, a lot of people don't know Dion. And that's the part of Boston <laughs> when they take shots at him, see. So I'm 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 little brother, but I'm the bodyguard too when it come down to it. But they don't know it's hard. It's hard for people. I love people. He loves his school. He don't come back as much as people think he should, but that's here, Adele. He come when he, when he need to come. Well, let me tell you let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Uh, because on Fridays, okay, first of all, let's go through the week. I'm just getting back home in Dallas on a Monday because I've been working in LA on Sundays. Okay, and I Saturday nights I go there. On you know, I got football Tuesday, football Wednesday, then I go to the NFL site that I have the game on Thursday, so the NFL. So I get home Friday morning from the NFL, the first thing smoking. I usually go to the airport four thirty, five thirty in the morning, I catch the first flight out, ready for my game on Friday. I have my youth organization, Truth, uh the five and six year olds play at nine, then the uh the seven and eight plays at nine uh ten thirty. Then 12 o'clock with the 11 and 10, 9, 10, then 11 and 12 plays. So I have these games on Saturdays. Then I go to L.A. Saturday night. So what time is it to go to my alma mater? Because I coach all these teams, and Corey know that. My organization, and we, we, we're deep. We've been running for a decade now. So, and I love these kids and trying to get these kids educated and committed and, and understanding life. So that's my schedule. So I'm not going to miss my game, ESPN, Corey, so you know, try to send a private jet for me to go um, to do the pregame show, you know, with, with the team for this game, Florida State and Alabama. I said, I can't do it. They said, we're going to send a private jet for you. We'll bring you right back. I said, yeah, but I'm not going to miss my games. I'm not going to miss my youth games. That's our future. That's the future of this country, the youth. So, so that's my schedule. That. That's why I don't come on Saturdays. I ain't got time. I don't really have time. But the one thing I can tell you about, I call him to come to Tallahassee, he comes, so I'm good. You ain't got to worry about it. keep working, mm -hmm. keep saving them. That's what we do. <laughs> There's no time because the Bible said the poor walks be amongst us. We feel like we the two guys in this country that can change the mindset of the poor, no matter how hard Amen. it is, no matter how much the struggle is. But we thank you for coming on. Hear the spirit. Pride. We appreciate it. We love you, brother. We'll be hearing from you again. God bless you. Love you too, man. I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay. Later. Later. <clears throat> that was our first guest of Hear the Spear, Dion Sanders. So uh, let's get into predictions for this game. I know, Corey, you and uh, Dion said you don't. You as former players going into a game this, of this magnitude don't necessarily like to predict the score. But Ethan, what do you, what are your what is your score prediction? Um. My score prediction, 
is going to be something like 27-23 uh, Bama. Um, I really just, just can't get past the uh, question that Florida State has on the offensive line. Um, and I, I can easily see Florida State beating Alabama, but um, if you're playing the odds, um, Alabama doesn't lose very often. Um, so I'm just going to have to roll with, uh, especially in, in openers under Nick Saban, there's something like 10-0. So I'm just going to have to to go with uh, Alabama, and I know I'm going to have some people mad at me. but They haven't played Florida State in open either. They haven't played no Florida State in the open. They've been playing cupcakes. <laughs> you gave us all the nod and all the positions except one, and you predicted us to lose? <laughs> oh, my. Come on. But I, just, I just think that one position, that, uh, that offensive line, I, I gave them the nod at running back. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 probably not enough, to be honest. But um, I just think that the, the main thing is just the matchup of FSU's offensive line against their uh, – against Alabama's defensive line, I just don't think they're they're going to be able to block them consistently enough. Where I'm going to disagree with you, Ethan, is that I agree that FSU's offensive line will not be able to block Bama's defensive line, but I think nearly to the same extent, Alabama's offensive line will not be able to block Florida State's defensive line. And I think that being said, the difference is going to come down to Francois and Hurts. And I, I genuinely don't think Francois or I genuinely don't think Hurts will be able to throw the ball effectively. And like I said earlier, if we can stop the run, I like FSU's chances a lot. I'm going to go 23-17 FSU, and I believe 23 is either going to come from two field goals or a missed extra point. So we'll see what Ricky Aguayo brings on Saturday night. And, Cora, I know you don't want to give a score prediction, but what do you think about the FSU-Alabama, and if you are willing to give any sort of prediction? Yeah, I feel like we should win. I feel like we'll win by 10 or more. You know, I think that this is a game that everybody's been wanting. They've been trying to get matched up in the national championship game. We get to sit at the beginning of the year with nothing on the line but 1-0 or 0-1. So everybody can play loose, and I think that's going to fall to us, man. I don't care how much talent you got, how much you win, how many national Alabama lost a lot of players from that team last year. And we returned a lot of players from my team last year. And Definitely. most of all, we returned our quarterback that had a rough year picking himself up off the ground, but stood it all. I like us by 10. Awesome. Well, that, that concludes our first episode of Hear the Spear presented by Noel Game Day. It was awesome to have Deion Sanders on along with my co-hosts, Corey Fuller and Ethan Vaughn. Uh, we'll see you guys next Thursday. All righty. See you all next week. Hopefully uh, uh, my prediction is wrong and, and Florida State uh, uh, does better than I think they will this weekend. So uh, we'll see y'all next week. See you next week. Make sure you tell a friend. Hear the spirit. Of Florida State puts the ball on the tee as the smoke clears. And we get ready.